0: Support for this episode comes from Modern Football Technology. Modern Football Technology provides real-time opponent tendencies and self-scout while eliminating manual data entry into Huddle, DV Sport, and Exos. If you're tired of tools that are time-consuming to learn and perform inconsistently at best, then we recommend Modern Football for a fresh perspective. Schedule a demo today at teammofo.com to see a battle-tested tool that's proven to perform and deliver value. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. And listen to our recent episode featuring Folsom High School defensive coordinator Jordan Ersik to learn more about how the 2023 California State Champion uses modern football to dominate their opponents.
1: First, for us, to me, it's two things. One, I want to make life as easy as possible for the quarterback. And I want to have a safe place to go as a play caller. So first and 10, you know, after and chief, first down, second, and five, and I'm on schedule. In my mind, it's a great place to have these one-word drawback concepts. As I got into Arizona, defense has gotten better and better. Drawback is really hard to protect. But if I do it fast, I, I think, hey, it's less chance that I'm getting exotic pressures more chance they're lining up to me than worried about you know bringing something that I can't handle.
0: We're back with another episode of The Passing Lab with our host, Josh Herring. we got another good one here today with a high school coach from Arizona. So Josh, tell us about our...
2: Well, it's Colin Thomas, who's the head coach at Liberty High in Peoria, Arizona. He was a state championship winning OC there. Uh, now he's the head coach. It's a really big time program in Arizona. And Colin is a, just a fantastic passing game mind. The scope of his knowledge on the passing game is really broad and I, I just really enjoy talking ball. With.
0: And I know in this one you're going to get into a lot of the concepts right away but coach also shares some great thought processes that he has both for how he approaches and learning this game and researching it as well as with what he does with some things procedurally. Yeah he's
2: awesome and all that stuff in his research Methods, kind of how he goes about studying teams is second to none, and I've always gotten a lot out of him uh, every all season.
0: So here's our Passing Lab episode with Colin Thomas. I've been fortunate to coach many successful teams over the years, so I'm excited to tell you about Signature Championship Rings, a championship ring company who perfectly captures your winning season and fits your budget. Signature Champions specializes in fully customized rings for your high school and college teams, partnering with more than 10,000 teams across the country. What sets Signature Champions apart is the coach experience. The ring ordering process is streamlined and hassle-free with Signature Champions ensuring their coaches feel like MVPs every step of the way. Visit SignatureChampions.com podcast and get your team championship rings today. Use the code PODCAST to receive a free coach ring and ring box with your team's ring order. Link is in the show notes. And listen to our entire champion series presented by Signature Championship Rings to learn from state champion head coaches on how to take your program to the top.
3: All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Passing Lab for another episode. I'm super excited about this one. We're heading out west to the great state of Arizona today. So we've got Colin Thomas with us, who's the head coach at Ah, uh, Liberty High in Peoria, Arizona, one of the best programs in Arizona. I've known Coach for a while. He was the arizona cardinals twenty twenty two Coach of the year had one loss last season they've been ultra successful i think they were like number 57 in america in the high school football america ranking so that's pretty strong coach for sure coach thomas is one of the best passing game minds i know and i've been thinking since we started this about hey we got to get him on the show and we sort of do every year kind of have a post-mortem on the season where we talk about different things and kind of exchange ideas so coach super 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 excited to have you on the show
1: yes sir coach thanks so much and happy to be here
3: Let's get right into kind of your influences. So I know in talking to you kind of over the years, you've got kind of far flung influences, different guys, and you kind of take stuff from everywhere and do a great job of research. So kind of talk to us in the development of you guys, your passing game at Liberty. Like what have been some key influences or people that you've learned from and kind of things that you've taken and kind of morphed it into your own system?
1: Yes, you know, so I started coaching in 2007 and wanted to be a spread guy and a pass guy and and didn't really have a lot of background in that at the time. You know, really, I took a quarterback we had to a Darren Slack Quarterback Academy camp years ago and was able to meet Coach Dub Maddox and and kind of learn the R4. And that really helped me, you know, understand how to build concepts, how to create progressions. And that was really a big, you know, learning point for me. And then over the years, you know, obviously just diving into as much information as I can, you know, and having high school guys willing to help yourself being one coach Coverda who was on last week. I mean, I think for the last 10 years, if I email him for help, he sent me something right away, you know, just having those type of guys. Then obviously watch as much college film as you can and, and pro film and learn how to adapt it to what you do to make it your own system and your know, own passing game.
3: Yeah, that's that's good. And so we'll we'll go right into the ball talk because that's what people want to hear. And I think, first of all, before we do, though, I mean, that being able for high school guys to learn from other high school guys and college guys, I think is huge. You know, some guys only want to if a college doesn't run it, you know, they're going to say, you know, it's no good. Oh, I've got to see, you know, USC run this. I've got to see Alabama or Clemson, or Georgia run this. But, you know, you can learn from those high school guys, too. And some of those guys in college now started out as high school guys for sure. So you can there can be varied influences for you guys listening out there that you can you can learn a lot of ball from. So one of the things again getting to the ball talk, one of the things that I've I think you've influenced me in over the years is one word calls. Now we had run one word calls for years and years, and it's you know the fastest way you can play so to speak. You have one word that's going to tell people how to align by formation and what play to run and kind of assignment everything. When I think most people think one word calls they tend to think RPOs because I think in a lot of coaches' minds, okay, I want to go fast, but I, what if they give me a bad look? Okay, we can RPO this and throw or whatever. But one of the things that I think you're known for is having one-word dropback calls. And in talking to you about that, I think it's something that influenced me to try and have a little bit more of that in our system. But I want you to just kind of open-ended talk about one-word dropback calls, kind of the philosophy behind it and why you believe in that
1: and just go as deep as you want to with it first for us to me it's two things one I want to make life as easy as possible for the quarterback and I want to have a safe place to go as a play caller so first and 10 you know after and chief first down second and five and I'm on schedule in my mind it's a great place to have these one word drop back concepts as I got into Arizona defense has gotten better and better drop back is really hard to protect but if I do it fast I think, hey, it's less chance that I'm getting exotic pressures, more chance they're lining up to me than worried about, you know, bringing something that I can't handle. So that's kind of a big thought process for us. And then when I'm building these, one, we're going to take a core way we run a concept. You know, if we run a play and we like to obviously window address everything, but if I have a play that if I run this play 10 times, eight times, I'm going to run this exact formation, then that simply becomes a one word play for us. So it's simple teaching. And then I can add a you know, emotion tag to that. And now I have the alert word. I have a motion, I have the concept and now I get variety of what I'm doing, but for the kids, the exact same play. You know, one thing we really try is to create hybrid concepts when I'm creating a one word pass, you know, that way, if they give me a layup. So if it's second five and I have a hitch built into the boundary, we'll throw the hitch and get a first down. If they take that away, it means probably no pressure came and they're bailing out. They don't have a, you know, a read route, you know, kind of associated with that. And I can get a full field progression built in. But the whole point of it is to get layups and just easy throws for your quarterback to really help him out. Additionally, it becomes a huge chunk of our two-minute offense, you know, is yeah. these one-word plays. Whereas in the most critical parts of the game, if I got to call pass plays, well, I can call these plays. Now, one, we can get too fast. And two, we repped more than anything we've done the whole season. We've repped these things, you know, nonstop. So it allows me to have a comfortable place to go late in the game.
3: Man, that is so good. It's really, really good. And I think, I don't know, it seems counterintuitive. And I'll ask you about your experience with your kids. I tend to want to have stuff, you know, that tells people what to do, where there's no question and kids kind of know. And it's that, you know, sort of a West Coast almost mindset of telling different people what to do. But I've really felt, especially, you know, in the last few years, kids really memorize one-word calls. For, I mean, for whatever reason, like, and you think, well, there's a lot of memorization, but they really gravitate towards those. And a lot of times the kids like it. Do you feel like that's been really easy for your kids to pick up with the volume of one-word calls that you guys
1: have? I do. One, we're lucky. We have our kids a lot. We have them in class every day. So, you know, we're going over these things an awful lot. But, yes, I mean, kids, they just – Learn whatever you teach them from honest. So if we say, hey, this is going to be Navy Niner or whatever the call is going to be, you know, they pick it up and they know it now. And then, again, allows you to build on that because now I can throw motion tags and do whatever I want. So, yeah, that's really never been a problem for us. And it all revolves around your quarterback. He's got to be the one that gets everyone lined up correctly. So if your quarterback can handle it, to me, you can do as as much as you want to do.
0: Taking a quick time out from this episode to talk about some of the resources that Coach Herring has put together. I've mentioned before, he's got excellent resources. I know he was a resource for me in the past. We collaborated on some things I learned from him. And Coach, what have you put together here on Crossing Routes? Well, we got a relatively new uh,
2: two-volume Crossing Route series. And in Volume 1 of the Crossing Routes, it's, it's Complete Crossing Routes, Low Crossers. It's really looking at, honestly, about right at 12 to 13 years of crossing routes. And I thought we've done so much with crossing routes over the years. It's kind of my first love in the passing game and we don't run them all, but from year to year, there's always tweaks. Well, let's just have a resource for guys to kind of see how to solve the problems that we've had, or maybe to tweak things that they already have that exist and make them better. And so it, it pretty much goes through volume one is really about drive variation. So you start with different versions of drive and then there's some more unique types of routes that build off of that and build off that same language from a route that's kind of, we call drum. That's kind of like a West Coast shallow type route. And then even drama, which is a form of a mesh built off a of drive. So I think it's got some stuff that can help people out and was really excited to put that one out.
0: Definitely. All your things do have those ideas that will apply to a lot of different offenses. And we'll put the link to that one in the description. Be sure to check that out.
3: Let's go right into something that I've I've seen film of, and I know you guys are good at, and it's been a huge topic of discussion this off season. Guys have even talked about it on the pod before. So you guys are very good at what a lot of people call, refer to as an RPO. Some people refer to it as a naked. We don't even have to get into that discussion, but where you're going to have some sort of post from an outside guy, some form of a wheel route, and some guy to the flat off either. If you want it to be RPO, it can be RPO. If you want it to be naked, it would be naked. So you guys listening, that's a whole argument like zoning and split zone and duo about what what these teams are doing. But a lot of really good teams, the Dolphins have a variation of it that Bobby Peters talked to us about with. I've studied a good bit of Texas this offseason, and, and Steve Sarkeesian does a really good job with it. It's a huge thing. You guys are good at it at the high school level. So coach us up on that and kind of talk us through that that play.
1: I remember seeing the Chiefs run it versus the Texans in that game. They were down years ago in the playoffs. So I'm like, this play is really, really good. And I was just kind of scared to put it in for whatever reason. And this year we kind of said midway through the year, let's we won another wrinkle and we run a lot of split zone action and we put that in and it quickly became our favorite play. Kids love that play. To me, it's what's good about it is obviously I need a post, a wheel and a flat, but week to week, I can change that presentation really simple. I think it really stresses a four-man front defense even more than an odd man front because the fact in high school, you're gonna put that extra backer one place or the other, right? By formation, I can dictate that. So if I dictate where he is, and now once we get three week in essence, you know you're gonna be a guy short unless you're whip back or plays that in which he does that, then he's not giving any support to the run. So I mean he's became a really good play for us. We were to complete the the post, the wheel, and the flat. I think we were eleven for eleven on on passes out of that this year. We just put in the last half of the year, and it became just a staple to what we do. Like you said, the biggest coaching point working through was is it an RPO? Is it a run call? For us, it's a run call. It's we run wide zone with it, but, it, it's a caveat the alignment knows, hey, there's a word here that tells me I can't rush to get downfield because there's a good chance the ball's gonna be thrown past the line of scrimmage. The Dolphins, where you showed me, right, it's a little bit different version, right? It's more of a, a seam post type of version. Right. So, you know, we messed around with that this spring and, and that's good, but different. One thing I learned for us, we talked about in high school, the games played on the hashes, and this is a boundary concept for us. But if we get the ball in the middle of the field, then it really opens up more. So last year that became a situation where hey you need you don't need fifteen mill of field calls, you need three or four. And that became a huge mill of field call for us. We just give us a little bit more space to run it. But again, it's another easy answer for your quarterback where hey maybe he gets a wheel down the sideline that's wide open or easy flat throw and allows you to get in rhythm and get moving.
3: Talk just real quick about your wheel technique. Are you guys running a true wheel where it's almost like, you know, an out-and-up type look, or are you running more of where you're faking a stalk and then you're running kind of a rail route? Like, which of the two techniques are you yeah, using? Yeah, for us,
1: we're it's a true wheel. He's fast to the flat. Like, he's the flat player, and then he's going to be up, and hopefully, you know, obviously, if you carry that, then we're replacing you again with that flat route. And usually for us, we're going to motion that guy. So he's kind of – you know, the Dolphins do a good job with that too, right? He's kind of already on the move, so you're kind of figuring out on the fly – Trying to pass those things off, I think is really hard because I have in essence a single side receiver there, but post snap, we're gonna get three guys to that side. Again, the post for us last year we just ran as a regular post, but he really wasn't in the concept much. And that's why we're looking at how the Dolphins run that seam post, now post, adding that. You know, it kind of changed the football for the quarterback a little bit because he has to be right. ultra fast. But our guys know now, hey, we're we're ready to throw right off of the pool. And if that's not there, then we just got to keep going and moving our feet and then get to the wheel and and the flat.
3: Yeah, it's really good what you were talking about, about how, you know, against even front, setting the front and how they have to make a decision because everybody's so sniffer set oriented now. And so you have that tight end that's strong to the field and there has to be a defensive reaction to that. And like you said, you get three weeks so fast with motion. It's really, really hard to match that and still be solid against the run. That's why everybody loves it. It's such a good play. So – that's that's great stuff another play and people are going to be loving this episode cuz i mean we're just diving straight into coaching up these plays it's not abstract they're getting some real practical stuff coach so that's good so you run one of my favorite versions of mesh we know all the mesh controversies we we've run it before and called it pyramid and we called it mix and had different names But for you guys that are listening, just to kind of give you an idea, it's really a form of mesh with a dagger concept built in. And it's just a really good way to run the play. And if you're one of these mesh haters and you don't like mesh because you say it's just a man play. Well, this also, I think, is a version that makes it effective against zone and you're using the mesh as a check down. So, Coach, I'm going to let you kind of coach us through it. Just talk to us about your mesh dagger concept. I guess starting out with kind of from the outside in, just working your way into the mesh concept, and then kind of finish up talking
1: about the quarterback. Yeah. So, like you said, you know, mesh can be progressed a lot of different ways, right? You know, we run the mesh rail concept that everyone runs, and that's pure progression, left to right, one, two, three, four, five. You know, this is going to be more traditional, kind of R four. You know, here's a rhythm, here's a read, here's a rush, top down progression. For us, when we run this this mesh dagger play, our outside receivers is their generic way of who's our meshers. So if we call that by rule, we know our outside guys are our meshers. Usually for us, it's going to be three-by-one. We can run it two-by-two, two, but usually it's three-by-one. And then it leaves the two inside guys to be the seam and the dig. A lot of times we'll motion to it as well. And the seam usually is a clear-out route. We have hit that twice for big plays. If all of a sudden, weak safety does not match three. Where I originally saw this years ago was we went to the Iowa State three high stuff in 2019. So I didn't want to get my butt kicked in practice every day. So I was trying to find stuff that worked against them. And I saw both Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma run this play. And I saw Mike Leach in the bowl game run this play. I think he called it Mesh Snake. And just kind of said, hey, this is really good. And then kind of as we ran this play, you know, when I first got into coaching, 2007 and three by one. I ran snag and flood and these players that were really good. But now with everyone matching you know, your flat player and trips, right? They either have a, a trap player or a void player. To me, these interior three-high level stretches are, are really good concepts, and that's what this is for us. So we're usually going to have number three on the seam, number two on the re-dig, and then again number one in our single-side guy or mesh players. So usually, if you take the seam, which is the goal, we want you to take the seam, you know, those meshes pull those backers, and then that dig player can kind of sit. He can work. He has a lot of flexibility there depending on, you know, if that backer low walls or high walls them. What depth are you typically running the dig at? Yeah, we're, we're 12 to 14 on that. Depending on how we go, we'll have him spray release, you know, there's a couple of ways to do it. You can run it almost more like the pyramid version where he kind of gets right behind the seam player and tries to get lost. Or sometimes we'll have him spray release and try to get outside the stud and then get wrap in behind. We kind of done it both ways a little bit, you know, but two for us, that's kind of been our tight end type body, you know, get a 6'2", six, 6'3", six, kid there that you really can see and then let that seam route be a, a really a faster kid that has a chance to take the top off the defense. And then obviously if you carry those routes, then you leave a ton of space left for the mesh as our check down in that progression. So it's a play you can use any time. But for us, it became a really good third and long play because if you play main, we have an answer. If you're playing quarters, we're good. If you want to play some type of match and, and carry three, we're, we're okay there too. So it's become a really good concept that our kids love and know that we're going to go there on critical spots.
3: Are you are your mesh guys, do you allow them to settle or is this a play where you're going to have those guys stay on the run?
1: No, we'll allow them to settle. But usually – the mesh rail play they settle a lot more the space than this play i think where it carries people deeper because you're running two inside vertical routes that for us usually you know they're they're continue to run through
3: yeah that's good i think the only thing kind of troubleshooting it for you guys listening would be you know it's really critical that that same guy get a release So the thing can clear, you know, and so motioning that guy or, you know, changing up your alignments, but the fact that you're bunched a little bit a lot of times, I think that just helps get clean releases, obviously, but also a lot of times if you change, and coach, I know you and I have talked about this, but for a defense, changing who's on and who's off in bunch can really impact them differently. And if you have number three on in bunch, a lot of times that guy won't get pressed. Like number two being the point man in bunch would get pressed. So, a lot of times for us, you could get clean releases on that. So, man, that's a good play. And I've seen Lincoln Riley have a lot of success uh, with that. So, we got a couple more things we, before we get out of here. You are in empty quite a bit. And, and I'm thinking like we're in the seven on seven phase right now of summer practice. And so, you go to seven on sevens and teams are in empty. All the time and doing defensive stuff that they don't do all the time. But you guys are in empty in pads, in games, in high leverage, critical situations. So talk a little bit about passing wise from empty, kind of why you've moved to more of that. Or maybe it's been something you've always done, but you've kind of been in empty a little bit more. Just kind of talk us through your thoughts on empty and in real football, not seven on seven.
1: Sure. I think empty begins in with your quarterback a little bit. I'm very lucky. Our kid's a really good player. He's really quick thinker and he's got a quick release. To me, if you have a guy that it takes a while to get out or doesn't process as well, it's maybe not as productive. In a perfect world, we have these progressions that are, again, a rhythm, read, rush, and you have not many if-then situations. Empty, you're going to have a lot of if-then situations because you might not know what their check is. or they a pressure team? or they going to you know, sit back and empty? You know, how are they going to handle the three side compared to the two side? It's a lot of variables. So to me, you have to have a kid that can navigate that on the fly a little bit. And then I want to be unique and empty as well, right? You know, we do, we get in a lot of two by three or four by one or one by four. You know, there's a lot of ways to get into empty. And then also, I think that going back to our one word plays, you got to have these hybrid concepts where you have quick now answers, but also you have a longer developing progression as well. You know, and that's why it's important to have a kid that understands that because if I get pressure, I got to have a way to get rid of that ball now. But if not, if you let me go through a actual downfield progression, then great. I'm now getting five out immediately and it's going to be harder for you to stop. So I think it's really important, again, to have the, the right kid there, but also motion into empty, I find to be really effective. You know, if I'm going to motion the back outside of number one and in, 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 uh, to the single side and trips, you know, it kind of goes back to what. You know, I think Coach covered also said the other day with these informational gathering, you know, gathering things, right? Where, hey, how do you handle that? Or one thing, you know, we were at University of Washington this year, they did a great job of getting in formations and motion guys to freeze the formation, but then to move to something else. Where if I fast motion the back out wide, you know, I'm gonna show how you're gonna play that, but in reality, maybe I only wanted to be in three by two from the start it's a good way to gather information i think by using motion and then also create the free releases like you talked about before
3: that's great great advice i think for anybody that's wanting to use empty sets and having a process for thinking about the things that way don't just you know jumping empty to jump jumping empty is there a reason why you're doing it i think that's what you do such a good job of and so that's those are really really good points kind of our last thing let's let's talk about i think you're i'm huge on this i ask most guests this question And you guys know, I mean, we we talk, but your off-season research method, I think, is awesome. I think about, like, just how the varied sources you go to and how big a deal you make it in trying to improve things and give your kids the best chance to compete. So kind of talk to us about your off-season research method and kind of how you you try and adapt. You're already in a really good program, but every year you're trying to take it to the next level. So what's your process for doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, identifying – who you want to study and why is pretty important up front, right? And it's the easiest thing is to see a team that's been really successful, right? So this year, Tennessee was really good. And we talked a lot of Tennessee. And then Ole Miss last two years ago, I think I was really big on. But two other things I really try, and I'm kind of, you're really good at having one big focus. I'm kind of scattered brain sometimes and all over the place with it. But I want a team that has a similar quarterback to us a little bit. And then I want a team that maybe does something unique that we kind of do, but it enhances what we do. So, you know, we're pretty big in the quarterback run game. And last year, like Montana State did some really cool things in quarterback-driven RPOs. So we, you know, tried to get some th- things from them that were easy to install for us. You know, we're a big unbalanced team. You know, and last year, you know, you did that big study on on Pitt when Kenny Pickett was there, and they're unbalanced passing. So that made sense for me. I'm like, man, we use unbalance. This is something we can add to our offense. Let me really study this. Right, So, I mean, I, I think it's a twofold is, again, people that you see are really good. But then what is something that you can add to your offense that's unique? That's not a lot of investment because you kind of already do, you know, do these things anyway. I uh, just taking it to the next level. Coach, I wish
3: I had this. I wish I could have listened to you on this pod when I was 25 years old as a coordinator, for sure. That's awesome. Awesome advice about figuring out. It's just so easy to look at what's cool on Twitter and want to do that and you know i'm not in any way taken away from that because i do it too we all want to look at cool plays on twitter but how does it impact your program and how does it fit into the stuff that you do that's what we as coaches have to figure out what gives our kids the best chance of being successful that's so good so we got to wrap up we got a you're a busy head coach we got to give you uh give you some time uh so we got to get this thing wrapped up but you know what we got to finish with so always very interested to find out what do you wear on your head, if anything, during a game? What, what's your go-to?
1: Well, in around 2007 to 8, I was a big Guz Malzahn guy, so I started with a the visor. Then I lost my hair, so at that point in time, I had to switch to the hat. So I'm I'm a hat guy on a Friday night.
3: Good deal, good deal. I've I've kind of had a similar journey uh, <laughs> in some ways. So uh, what about drink? What I have been fascinated. I had I was told. By multiple people, we started this pod that we were going to ask these OCs, and they all were going to, you know, they drink energy drinks and blah, blah, blah. What I have found through all sorts of evidence is that offense coordinators are a lot healthier guys than defensive coordinators, no doubt about it. So (laughs) we've got guys that drink water. We've had guys that drink, you know, these health drinks and all kinds of stuff, potions and powders and everything else. What's your pregame or maybe during a game drink that's your go-to?
1: yeah, I, I think I've been coaching seventeen years, and I still get those uh, nervous butterflies before every game, right? Which makes it awesome. So I, I try not to put much in the stomach. So uh, I don't eat anything pass around noontime, and I only drink water for the game.
3: Good for you. Again, guys, we're setting positive examples on the passing lab of how to take care of your body and your mind. So that's good stuff. Coach, this has been amazing. Re- I've got I've got a page of notes right here already. So I really appreciate you being on. And I, I know people are going to get a lot out of it. You're awesome. And that's really good stuff, man. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on, Coach. It's a pleasure to listen to it each week that you're putting on. And I think myself and a lot of high school coaches are benefiting from this. So thanks so much.
3: Thanks to Coach Thomas. We'll see you guys next week on The Passing Lab.
0: Here are Winning Edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. And this one is full of some great ones. Again, Josh, you have that task every week of really boiling these down to some that every coach can use, regardless of the type of offense they run. So what do you have for us today?
2: Yeah, the first one, I loved how Colin talked about something. And it's something that I can honestly say has helped our programs in the past and talking to him about this is having one word drop back calls. And, you know, there's that whole section he talks, but the part that stuck out to me about that is. You know, fast calls that we often don't think about it this way, but fast calls are a lot easier to protect because it's just harder to get into all the exotic pressure looks that defenses get into. And so I thought that's that's just a great tip for coaches about, you know, if you're having trouble protecting, sometimes the answer, if you can't chip a guy or you just don't have anybody better, maybe it's just go a little bit faster on a drop back. So I thought that was a really good point. Second thing is I liked how he talked about empty concepts and the need in empty to really have hybrid concepts. I thought that's a really great way of thinking about it where you don't always know what kind of empty check you're going to get, and so you have whatever drop back or quick game concept, but you also have gifts built in where it might be a fast screen or something to get a guy a touch. But having those hybrid concepts where you're giving quarterbacks answers regardless of what they see, so if they just give you a gift, then you can take that. I thought that was really sharp. And then the third thing, getting into the research aspect, I said before, Colin does a great job of research, but narrowing it down to saying, okay, does this program I'm going to study, why am I studying them? Do they have a quarterback that's similar to me? And I think it's very easy for us to get caught up in, you know, very fancy X's and O's, but does it really apply to our program? So he talked about having a similar quarterback and do they have unique variations of things you already do and looking for that in research. And I just think being able to narrow things down for a high school coach to say, all right, I want to look at NFL and college teams, but is their quarterback situation relative to my situation? Obviously, you know, that guy may be better, but is it relative to competition? And then are they doing things you're already doing maybe in a unique way? I think it's just great stuff.
0: Definitely. Really good takeaways there, too. I know those three resonated with me as well, and it was a great episode. A short one, but a lot packed into it. And I'm excited as we continue on here this summer with the Passing Lab, and I certainly appreciate all your work. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Be sure you check out Josh Herring's resources on the passing game. They are some of the best out there. I'll put a link to those. They're on CoachTube. You can find the link in the show notes. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. Go there for enhanced show notes. We have our winning edge takeaways detailed in text and more. Again, go to coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski